Jack Chris here with Now See Here. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our many underwriters and sponsors. We uh, could not do the program without you. We want to welcome Joe T's Wine and Spirits in Ridgeland, Mr. Brent Bailey, who is running for Public Service Commissioner, Merit Media, SettleMyCase.com, Mazda of Jackson, Dr. Michael Sanders, Face Value Health, Danny Bedwell for Mississippi State Senate District 17, Oxford Lafayette County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Foundation, the Carson Law Group, JH&H Architects, Bank First, Benchmark Construction, Farm Bureau Life Insurance, and Hometown Lenders of Mississippi. Thank you so much for your support, and if you'd like to learn how to support Now See Here, the podcast, email me, C-R-I-S-S, Chris Public Relations at gmail.com. Thank you again so much. The views expressed here on Now See Here are not necessarily those of the sponsors, advertisers, Jack Chris, the host, or Roddy Merritt. Hello, Jack Chris here. This is the Now See Here podcast available on anchor.fm slash now see here and on all your favorite social platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, and Stitcher. We are continuing our conversation with former Governor Ronnie Musgrove of the state of Mississippi. Uh, we covered a, a lot. Uh, we could talk for three or four hours, Governor Musgrove. But in part two, I want us to focus on your uh, ascendancy. You went through the ranks, of course. You uh, became elected as lieutenant governor. And then, of course, governor. Let's talk about the lieutenant governor's race and the, the maverick you served under, somebody that you and I knew well and may not see the likes of again. So... I believe it's important to look at two things. Uh, one, my, my two-term career as a senator allowed me in my second term to be chair of the Education Committee. As a result, we were able to accomplish what I felt like were monumental uh, things. Now you look back on it and they seem fairly fundamental. One, uh, I wrote the bill to put air conditioners in every class in Mississippi. I remember uh, we dying to, of heat at Wingfield High School. Today you would think, okay, that is just a given, no, but no. it was not a given. And so we did that, also rewrote the school formula uh, because the Supreme Court in the state of Kentucky had ruled their funding formula unconstitutional. And we were looking because we had the same problems that they had. So that's when the original start of the Mississippi Adequate Education Program uh, took place. Uh, but because the leadership in the legislature uh, would not fund that bill, uh, we were able to at least pass it subject to funding, but it had some other really good things in it. Mm -hmm. Like we were the first state to have uh, nationally certified teachers paid an additional $5,000 per year for certification. We also had a program that for the first time in history, half of a school bond issue could be paid for by state funds instead of local ad valorem taxes, which helped the property poor districts right. in so many areas. But it was because of the lack of funding that, in my opinion, should have taken place that I decided to run for lieutenant governor. Uh, it was the impetus for for doing something that was probably the most foolish decision I've ever made politically in my life. As it turned out, uh, I was able to win, uh, but uh, no one with any sense or money would have bet on me at the time, that's for sure. But that was in 1995, 
that I ran for lieutenant governor against the incumbent lieutenant governor, who prior to that time had been a very good friend of mine. Uh, we had a fairly contentious race, though. I remember. But yeah. after that time, we likewise renewed our friendship. Good. I respect him today. I like him. We've spent time together. And, and that's just part of the way the world of politics happens. Uh, I don't know of anyone that I've ever ran, ran against that I later uh, did not become good friends with again or renewed our friendship or became friends if I had not known them prior to that time. So, so the 1995 race uh, was one that uh, was a huge upset in terms of uh, uh, a no-name person running uh, against an incumbent. Well, I think you're se selling yourself short. Uh, but uh, Well, you wouldn't think that if you had seen the uh, uh, percentage of people who knew me well, well, <laughs> in the first poll. Well, you we did ran. something right. You did something right. You know, and, and so many of us in Mississippi now are used to a Republican governor and a Republican lieutenant governor. Yes. You not only were a Democrat, but you served with, as lieutenant governor, with one of the more volatile, interesting characters uh, in Mississippi political history, my old good friend Kirk Fordyce. Can you give us a story? How, how did that mix work? Was it, was it stable most of the time or I, not? I, it was stable almost all of the time. If you look at uh, Governor Fordyce's proposals, there were some policy issues that I took exception with. But by and large, we all agreed that some of the things he was talking about were things that needed to be done. Uh, you know, sometimes in state government, you can just do things the same way for so long that you think this is the way they ought to be done, when the truth of the matter is, it's time to move forward. And, and I believe Fordyce had some ideas that would move us forward. And I believe we passed probably 85% of his agenda, which I believe is really high. And Couldn't uh, happen today, I don't think. May not could happen today. I think you're probably right. Mm. But the other thing is Governor Fordyce suffered a very, very bad wreck. Yes. And he was in a coma for a good three weeks and was probably out of commission uh, almost two months. You were acting governor. And so I was acting governor. And so to have a Democrat acting governor with a Republican staff might seem at odds at first. However, I met with the staff. I told them how I was going to operate, and that is that when you bring me things that you believe Governor Fordyce wanted to do or these are the things that you recommend, unless they are just somehow offensive— and none ever were, then I would sign and I would do what the staff felt like it was important to do. So there was no coup d'etat? There, right. yeah. there was yeah. no difficulty. In fact, I believe a number of uh, writers uh, after that uh, wrote some uh, articles that indicated this is how things should be done when you have situations like this. One final question about Fordyce. Did the two of you get along personally? We did. Uh, the only time that he and I ever had words is that he was really mad at the legislature for not doing something, and he called everybody in the legislature a bunch of crooks. And uh, my Republican colleagues, as well as my Democratic colleagues, came to me and said, no, he can't say that. You know what's sad? That kind of language now 
happens daily. Oh, it, and that's nothing. That's it, mild it, compared it's, to... It's elementary today. <laughs> but, but I remember going to Governor Fordyce and telling him, now, Governor, <laughs> you cannot call everyone in the legislature a bunch of crooks. And he said... He said, well, they are. I said, no, they're not. <laughs> okay, there may be some, that but it's just not like all it. <laughs> of them. And, and so I, I, you have offended a lot of people who are very reputable people who you have now painted with a broad brush Alienated. as, as yeah. though they are really bad people. And so he finally saw that. He, he toned it back some. Uh, but, uh, but that was the only time that he and I ever had a disagreement. And it wasn't like we were yelling right, at each other. Right. We just, I, I simply told him that that was not a fair uh, description. Natural progression then. I remember well your race uh, for governor. I voted for you. Mm. Uh, you ran against, I think, one of the worst managed campaigns I've ever seen. And I, I can say that because it's my podcast, we, you know, but... It was just a, a weak campaign, but you, you had the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Was it a hard decision for you to, I mean, was it just, again, natural progression that I'm going to run for governor? This, this is something I've got to do. Well, one, uh, I, I had had a really good term as lieutenant governor. Right. But I always felt like the governor is the person who provides the vision, the direction for the state, and is the spokesman for the direction that the state is heading. So I, I wanted to do that. And of course, by Governor Fordyce uh, being term limited out after two terms, the position was open. And so consequently, I, I never hesitated about wanting to run for uh, the office of governor. And, and so if you look at my race as lieutenant governor and, and you look at it, you can see that Governor Fordyce got about 60% of the vote, the Democrat about 40%. I got about 53 or 54% of the vote when I ran, which means that there were a lot of people who voted for Kirk Fordyce who voted, who for, voted you. for me. I was one of them. And, and I believe that, that that tells you about my career in that I, I am able to work with people across the aisle, across party lines, across whatever lines that we have, because in, in society, you're going to have a lot of lines to work across. And then, but my natural progression was to run for governor. And, and I was very fortunate. I, I worked really hard. I believe I outworked my opponent in that race as well. Uh, he may have helped me out uh, in the way he ran his campaign. You did work hard. I, no, I, I don't I mean to take away hard. from that. But, mm -hmm. but, yeah, the other side was, you know, uh, and, and I know our time is limited. There is so much we still need to talk about. Let me hit you with some rapid fire. Uh, I'm going to throw not questions, but maybe names or references to you, and then you comment. Okay. Uh, the Nissan plant. Uh, the, the greatest economic development project Mississippi has ever had. Happened under your watch and through your... We've, we developed a new economic development strategy which allowed us to offer incentives and do things that we had never been able to do before, and that was the only way we were going to be in competition for an automobile manufacturing plant. We did that, and we were successful in going after Nissan. September 11, 2001. Uh, a tragic, dark day in our country. For me, it was a very interesting time. We had Frightening. A, fr frightening. We had been at a Southern Governors Association meeting in Lexington, Kentucky. 
all 16 Southern governors were there. I left a day early to be back on September the 10th. All of the governors were there when it happened and they were barricaded for almost 24 hours. No one could fly. And I could just imagine what a governor was thinking that was stuck in Lexington, Kentucky, when they could not get home. I was home. And with, literally within an hour, we had uh, the Commissioner of Public Safety, the Adjutant General, other members, uh, uh, important members, to try to determine what we needed to do to protect Mississippi. Uh, but it was a frightening time. You may not be able to answer this question, and if so, just, just tell me. But was Mississippi ever under any existential threat that week, or did we receive any credible threats? Uh, th those are things I can't talk okay, about. Okay, okay. Uh, the flag vote, mm -hmm. uh, changing the Mississippi state flag, that did happen during your... That, that's correct. All right. And, and the vote then, and should we change it now? The, the, the Supreme Court uh, really brought that uh, to the forefront, our state Supreme Court. Uh, in 1917, when we recodified our, our code from 1890, that code section was just by accident left out. So the S Supreme Court said that we didn't have a code section that described our flag, which meant we had no flag. <laughs> even though we had flown it some 90 years. Right. Uh, so uh, I entered an executive order saying that the flag we had always thought was our flag would continue to be our flag. I felt like we had needed a commission that would look at the options, present them to the legislature, and then have a vote on them by the state. Uh, and, and so to me, I felt like uh, we need to go through that process but Carlos Ghosn, for Nissan, called me and, and made the statement. He said, are, are we going to have to defend building a car in your state over this issue? And, and having thought about it, I realized that from an economic development standpoint, for companies looking at your state, they do not want to walk into a situation where problems are simply created things they have no control over. And so there, there is no record as to how many companies we have probably not even had considered us. Simply be because? Because they struck us off the list. Because that's not a battle they wanted to deal with. So I would extrapolate you are in favor of changing. Uh, I, I, I supported at that time. Yes. I feel like and believe not because it, it fails to be important to us as a state. But when you have a flag for all the people and you want to look forward in terms of business opportunity, job opportunity for people in our state, I believe it's important uh, to look at it in that respect. Uh, Governor uh, Musgrove, your, your first political defeat. Yes. Uh, to Haley Barber. Did it sting? Obviously it did. But, but when you look back, do you think there was something you could have done differently? What... what you know, had the tide turned? What happened? Uh, Haley broke all the records for the amount of money that was spent. Uh, it was just incredible. It, it dwarfed anything that had ever been done. Uh, my, my favorability rating was, was still good, uh, whereas at that time a lot of governors across the South and across the country uh, had not experienced good ratings. Uh, 
I, I ran knowing that that Haley is a tremendous uh, tactician, strategist. Uh, always received a high credit for that. Uh, knew it would be a difficult race, uh, but at the same time, uh, I believe we held our own. Uh, did a good job, ran a very good race. Uh, but no, that that's part of what democracy is about. Uh, th those kind of things never feel good, but you know. The system is that you got to have a winner and you got to have a loser, and, and, and that's happens. the way it works. And 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 so so the first thing I did was I invited uh, Haley and Marsha over to the governor's mansion uh, the next the end of the week, mm -hmm. and and told them we would cooperate, work with them however we could to make that transition a very good transition, as I believe that's the way our system works, and so that that is how it is. Post political career. You've got a law practice. Um, you got a new child, which I didn't know we, until we, we talked. We, we, Melody and I have a four-year-old <laughs> little boy. Uh, we've had him ever since he uh, left the hospital. Uh, Grayson is his name, just a fantastic little boy. We've been very blessed. Um, and it, it might not have been what we had planned uh, or, or thinking about, but we have felt like we've been so blessed and and joyed by right. uh, by having him with us. And so we, we take our parenting responsibilities extremely serious I'm, with him. I'm sure. And, and we've got uh, grandchildren that we spend a lot of time with as well. And your law practice, tell us about L that. Law practice is going great. We, we MS Law, Musgrove Smith Law, uh, we do a, a wide variety of things, mainly business litigation. Uh, so when businesses uh, get crossed up or have situations where they need legal counsel, we, we do that. Uh, I've taught, uh, I've been fortunate to, to teach at Ole Miss for five years in the political mm -hmm. science department. I was a public policy scholar at Johns Hopkins uh, for two years. Uh, that was a tremendous experience. A and I had a chance to be adjunct uh, professor at Mississippi College School of Law and Jackson State uh, uh, Media, uh, so in their journalism department. So it it's been a great opportunity to do some things that I've really enjoyed and hopefully pass along a few things that I've learned about or gotten scars over, right. you know, in, in the course of my career. Let's let's look at today, Governor Musgrove, because you and I, just in reminiscing and talking about things, even 10 or 15 years ago, the political scene now today is such that I don't think you or I or anyone could have imagined the vitriol, the the hatred, the demagoguery on both sides. Now, let me ask you, as a Democrat, are you concerned about the, the sudden push toward more left the the S word is used, socialist policies by major major uh, heads of you know political candidates and and party yes. figures. And are you yes you are and and uh, on the other side, the Republican side, are you concerned by what some see as a veneer of nationalism, maybe not even a veneer, and and maybe racism? I, I'm speaking. I, you know, I don't want to get hate letters or hate emails, but. I, I'm concerned about all politics in Washington today and, and concerned about politics everywhere. I, I used to always tell Sid Salter was the first person who ever asked me this question that I believe I responded to, but I've used it many times. You can't hold political office and not be political to some degree. However, if you can keep your politics to 15 or 20 percent and the substance or policy to around 80%, then you can get things done. If you flip it, 
you won't get anything done. And today, that's where I feel like we are with almost everyone in leadership. It's all about politics. It's all about the party. And gotcha. And got as opposed to looking at the policies and taking our country forward or in our situation, taking our state forward. I believe that that's what people expect us to do as as uh, leaders. Having said that, though, socialism is not the answer. Collectivism and that, I mean, government control of industry. absolutely not. Hmm. But it's gaining traction. Well, there are a lot of things that are gaining traction because uh, I believe people on all sides are disappointed with the production of things, or I should say the lack of production of things that seem like shouldn't be that complicated. You know, and so you know, that, that's what happens. Could Ronnie Musgrove win a race in today's climate if he ran for governor again or, or senator? Have no idea. I don't. Uh, now, You're I, a I nice, will, nice I, person. I, you, I will tell you this much. It's not my climate. It's not, it's not well, mine either it, anymore. I, I, I like to talk about policy. I like to debate and negotiate on policy. Uh, if somebody can beat me on ideas, then so I, I, I'll tip my hat to them and say yes. But when you can't have a discussion on policy, then it makes life very difficult. And again, social media now, comments you may have made innocuously 15, 20, 30 years ago comes back and haunts everybody. Uh, Governor, in the remaining couple of minutes here, What's ahead for Ronnie Musgrove? What What are your future plans? What What are your hobbies? What I mean, what's ahead? There There, there are a lot of possibilities. Uh, I, I am young. Uh, I've had gray hair for a long time, <laughs> so it's no indication whatsoever of my age. Uh, we We feel like that that the future for Mississippi, for for uh, our country, in spite of the differences that we may seem to be having with our political discourse, I believe is good. Uh, I believe it takes people who are concerned and interested about our communities, uh, which I am one, uh, need to be around and need to offer assistance and help and just be yourself uh, in making our community better. Well, you know, I got to say, uh, you, you knew me as libertarian slash Republican, and, but you were always probably the nicest political figure I ever knew, even as governor. And, and you would talk about anything. I, I could approach you and, and say anything and ask you anything and you would answer. So to your credit, uh, I, I hope we haven't seen the last of a personality like a Ronnie Musgrove, either on the Republican or Democratic side, but sadly, it looks like it's trending in a in a negative way, Governor. Well, Jack, I always felt like it was important for me to know a lot of the specific policy positions, and if I could not articulate those, if I could not discuss those with media or with policy people, then I was not doing my job as governor. That's the way I looked at it, or lieutenant governor, or senator. Uh, if I held the position and people wanted to talk to someone, they probably wanted to talk to me. And if I could not adequately describe what I felt like was important, then my vision wasn't really good. And whatever their persuasion, you would talk to them. That is correct. Republican, Green. It didn't matter because my positions weren't going to change just because I talked to someone either who agreed or disagreed with me. Will you come on and do a part three and four one day? I will. 
Governor, it's been, been a pleasure. Governor Ronnie Musgrove, and we're we're going to have to look up and see which nu numerical uh, governor you were, but but you were uh, a, a good governor. You were a good governor, and, and better, a good man and a good friend. This is Jack Chris, the Now See Here podcast. Thank you so much for your support and listening. And remember, you can go to Facebook and like us, and we would appreciate that. On behalf of Roddy Merritt, Governor Ronnie Musgrove, again, I'm Jack Chris, Now See Here. Thank you so much.